the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, and get ad free exclusive content every single morning. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, for 40% off your first year subscription to day. My name is Mike Janay. Happy Wednesday, midweek, mid season for the NBA. That's the focus today on the back end of this show. Scott Allen joins a bit of a twist on how we dive into the mid season report. We're going to look at players who changed teams this offseason via free agency, via the trade, via sign and trade, even through the draft. The all NBA new team team. Scott and I break down some of those names and then the all traded team who could be traded in the next month or so, less than a month now. February 10th is that deadline. Some slam dunk, definitely going to moves, some maybes and some notable names and some teams that should, even though they're uh, performing as if they're good, good enough, maybe some teams that could still stand from a shakeup at the trade deadline on the very back end of the show with Scott. But first, it is NFL playoff season. I've done some decent, uh, a decent amount of writing work on this in terms of how these payrolls look, where these teams live, you know, notable free agents. I've also done complete off-season reports, all 32 teams. So if you have a favorite team, I've broken it down by, the, by division, projected cap space, draft picks, including comp picks that we're projecting, um, all the notable free agents, restricted free agents, extension candidates, cut candidates, trade candidates. Uh, I spent some time on this one and you know, I'm going to miss some guys. There's going to be some names there. You may uh, gawk at the extensions. What I tried to do is less of re-signing free agents. Some teams, that's all they had available in terms of extension candidates. I tried to go to guys who had a year or two left of term that just may need a new contract. Their cap hits too high. They need a restructured deal. There's a, there's a bunch of that around the league. So I, I try to be specific in terms of that. And, uh, you know, obviously I focus on quarterbacks as much as possible because that's going to drive this offseason for a lot of these teams. Let's talk about it real quick. Um, I'm gearing up for a show on the Minnesota Vikings probably this weekend. That's an important team. New front office, new head coach on the way. Is it going to be a new quarterback to boot? What Kirk Cousins does or doesn't do in terms of movement this offseason is going to drive a lot of other teams' decisions. Look, Cleveland wants to upgrade. We had Mary Kay Cabot on last week. You could tell by her discussions with the team how angry Baker got at her uh, that the goal is to keep Baker intact. But I'm telling you right now, if they sniff a chance at Russell Wilson, they're going to go for it. They're going to go for the upgrade because that's a team that can win should win, should at least win their division, uh, if not be legitimate contenders. So that's a team that immediately wants to upgrade. Denver, of course, is a team that immediately wants to upgrade that position. They have basically nothing. Drew Locke in a final year, non-guaranteed. Teddy Bridgewater hitting the open market. So they're going to do something. Is that a Kirk Cousins destination? It could be. That, that's completely within reason. They just need a viable quarterback. With They have great weapons. They have great weapons. I'm just putting this out there. You know, Derek Carr probably shouldn't be upgraded. This is two straight seasons where he's been good enough. And the production's there. The, the advanced stats like him quite a bit. And I think his teammates like him quite a bit. You know, new coach, though. 
is there going to be a shakeup? You never know. That's how this stuff kind of works. There's so much turnover at various parts of the NFL roster that one hand kind of feeds the other in, in a lot of cases. And then Indy. I focus on the Carson Wentz contract quite a bit here. Um, they can get out of it if they absolutely have to. I don't think they can because of what they gave up from a contractual standpoint and a draft pick standpoint, excuse me. But there's 15 million fully guaranteed right now. If they have to get out of it, they'll do it. They're not going to because they don't have an upgrade. They don't have an upgrade. They should be one of these destinations, but I don't hear them in that conversation. To me, this is the guy. They know what they're getting. It's going to be an up and down, inconsistent season. And hopefully they win enough ball games so that they're winning their division and they don't have to worry about these kind of late season collapses. I think they have enough players that just needed to take one more year forward to become a really strong team in the AFC with or without Carson Wentz. So I think Carson sticks. The contract's very easy to get out after this. Very easy. There's no more upfront guarantees or anything like that. So one more year of, uh, of, of having to deal with his up and downs makes life very easy for you from a financial standpoint in Indianapolis. Um, you know, from another quarterback position, Kyler Murray's going to ex- getting it extended. I understand he had a terrible finish to this season and to last season. Uh, that's been noted in a couple of, of places that I've heard. It's right. You know, Kingsbury and Murray have both had late season fall offs. And that's kind of a trend with Kingsbury, by the way. So something to keep an eye on there, but he's going to get his money. There's no question about that in my mind. I think Stafford gets redone. Uh, that's big time extension right there. I think Rodgers gets redone. Yes, I'm saying redone, not traded. That's big time money right there, although probably not for long, very long term. Uh, I'm going to put the complete Deshaun Watson situation on hold. Complete pause. But I don't want to go down that road too much. <laughs> okay, we got plenty of time to talk quarterbacks in offseason NFL. My point in very many words is there's a big offseason series on spotrate.com. Uh, all 32 teams, plenty of information. What did I miss? What's bad? What's good? At Spotrek on Twitter, please. One more point before we get to Scott and some NBA stuff. John Lester retires today from Major League Baseball. Um, you know, not a big name to a lot of people, but plenty big to some in many organizations. Three rings, 200 wins exactly, and, uh, you know, a sub four, 3.66 ERA, almost 2,500 strikeouts. Big time starting pitcher. He's eighth all time in terms of earnings. Big time stuff. You know, if you include Scherzer and the Verlanders and that kind of group, the Grinkies, he's right there. 192 million earned over 16 seasons, 15 and a half, really. So no slouch in really any degree. It's a big time. I, I think he's certainly on the Hall of Fame track with those three rings and for the organizations that he won them with, by the way. Uh, but, you know, that's a notable retirement right there for Major League Baseball and some some good news for them in a, in a situation where you're not going to hear much news at all. Speaking of which, there will be some CBA negotiations tomorrow, at least an offer presented or some, some bullet points presented via Zoom tomorrow from what I'm reading. I don't expect that to get too far, but at least there's some minuscule, minimal amount of progress. Something's about to happen. Words will be exchanged. Maybe some of that will hit the Twitter sphere and we can talk about it a little bit more next week. But a, a glimmer, a shine, a, a pinhole of hope in Major League Baseball that discussions can get back on the floor soon. Let's talk some basketball. All right, Scott, we're at the midpoint of the NBA season, give or take a couple of games for some of these teams, but it's a good time to kind of digest where we've been. 
where we're going and we have to include the trade deadline as part of this conversation, but we'll save that for part two of this talk. I want to go a little bit different. We've never done this before. I mean, we've kind of done it maybe internally, just spitballing between you and I, but I want to put this out there. Instead of mid-season awards and, uh, you know, who kind of might ha- might get to the finish line in terms of uh, the best teams in the league, I want to break it down and dive a little deeper into players that are on a new team right now. And that can be as vague as you want it to be. That can be free agent signings, certainly the sign and trade people. They were acquired via trade this offseason, even a new draft pick, a brand new 2021 draft pick and just impact to the team. That doesn't necessarily have to mean wins. I don't want to have a conversation about just the bulls and the warriors here. Um, I want to talk about some of these teams that are maybe in the 10th spot right now, but they've got guys that they did the work on built their team differently a little bit in 2021 and there's impact from specific players. So I know you've got a couple of names there. I've, uh, I can Connor with some names myself. Let's try to put together a roster of the best all NBA new team team. (laughs) All right. All right. You got the floor, man. Yeah. I, I went through a whole bunch of different teams and players to see, uh, who, who would fit into this. I, I went down the road of, Free agents, free agent sign and trades, drafted players, and traded players because we saw a ton of traded pieces in the offseason. And, you know, the one thing that stuck out was I had a lot of East teams. Yeah, me too. Uh, it was kind of hard to find some of the a West team that had a, you know, valuable player that was signed or traded or anything like that. Um, I do have a few when we get down to the impact part, but for, as far as my best value new team, I'll start with Ricky Rubio. I had to include him because of the season that How he had. How do you not start with the Bulls? <laughs> you got to no, start with the Bulls. I mean, those but, are the slam dunk picks, right? Well, I'm I, sorry. I, I was going by position with point guard okay. here. All right. So I mean, that, Rubio is a great pick. People are going to forget about him because he's injured now, but you're right. Correct. He, he carried thir- you know the first third of this season. Yeah, and, and he he's had a, a almost a resurgence here of his career, and he's only on $17.8 million. Yes, he's out for the remainder of the season, but I, I had to include him in that point guard position because he he has stepped up. He's helped. He was a traded piece that the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers brought on, you know, knowing that they had Garland, they had Sexton, so they brought in that veteran presence there, and he has really helped contribute to that team. So I, I had to include him. And, you know, my honorable mention point guard was Lonzo Ball, sure. obviously. You know, sign and trade, went to the Bulls, and has helped the Bulls get up to the number one seed as of recording right now. Let's talk a and, little bit about Lonzo, Scott, because I did some d- a dive on him as well. The numbers don't pop off the page. He's... He's a little bit down in terms of points, assists, the standard stuff. But when you flip the switch to the advanced metrics, the efficiency is way up. His per 100 possession stuff is career high. And his three-point shooting is way up in terms of the past three, four seasons. So it's almost like he's settling into a role that he's able to refine now. And he's not having to carry an entire offense because of these other names we've mentioned, like a Levine and a DeRozan, of course. Uh it's just a match made in heaven. This entire Bulls situation, which I shot in the foot in the preseason, I, I I didn't think it had legs. 
I couldn't be more wrong. And it's got staying power. And Lonzo's a big reason why. And again, not because of the traditional production. He's doing small things in a refined role, finally, for the first time in his career. Right. And I think everything goes back to the trade deadline last year when the Bulls acquired Vucevic trying to show Levine we're going to do something. And then they went out again in the the offseason and brought on Ball. They brought on DeRozan. They've got some other pieces that they've got, uh, young pieces. You know, uh, Keith Smith put up an article uh, with the East trade potentials of buyers and sellers for teams. Kobe White was on there. So who knows if the Bulls are even going to be, you know, they might be uh, buyers to – bring on some new pieces just for depth if they want to move him. Or he also mentioned Patrick Williams. Yeah, let's save that um, conversation quick because there's a there's a big Bulls talk to be had here, which we can do in phase two for sure, Scott. Okay. Um, it, it, moving on, my, my shooting guard was obviously DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. You know, having been on the San Antonio Spurs for the last few years and everyone thought he was just, you know, atrocious. He was, in, you know, he, his, some of his stats at the beginning of those seasons with the Spurs were just not good. He was like, you know, missing three pointers. His efficiency was not great. And now we're seeing, again, another resurgence of a veteran player on a new team. Um, again, he was a free agent signing, but it was a sign and trade. He's at $26 million, so I still think that's great value. They didn't break the bank for him, but the pieces that the Bulls have put together are gelling together that, you know, they have did a complete 180 with all these acquisitions that they've done. No question. I I mean, he's the leader in the clubhouse in terms of uh, acquisition of the year. I don't think anybody could argue that right now. Back to point guards real quick. Was Russell Westbrook even a conversation for you? No. Not even close, right? No, not at all. I, I tried to find a number anywhere. I tried to find an advanced, a, a standard metric that says that he is going to figure it out there, like he did with Washington, by the way. I mean, it took a while in Washington, and then it started to kick in. And I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to say this is a complete bust, nor am I going to say he's tradable, by the way. <laughs> but... uh the numbers in Washington, Scott, were so amplified toward team performance. The assists were career highs. He led the league in assists last year. His mm-hmm. rebounds were as good as he's been in his career. He was just a, a role player and a two-way player. And certainly, he had a guy like Ball who he could defer to offensively. It just seems like he doesn't know how to defer to LeBron James. It's either LeBron's night or it's Russ's night. And when it's Russ's night, he's not that triple-double guy anymore. He's just not. He's aged out of that, which is fine. It's going to happen. I couldn't find a single reason to love Russell Westbrook and the Lakers right now. So I, I tried to consider him as my point for, for this conversation because I didn't want to... I don't want to be the guy who's out there, you know, the old the old grandpa and the rocker just saying, oh, that's never going to work. Well, guess what? I don't think it's ever going to work, Scott. I really don't. I, I, that team is not deep enough and those three aren't good enough health or not. So I, I agree with you. It's not a consideration. In fact, I've got a couple of guards I could have put way ahead of Russell Westbrook right now. Yeah. And if you, if you're talking about, um, from a value standpoint, from oh. production that they're getting out of him with the amount of money that he's earning, you know, and that's where I, I sort of tried to base this off of a mix of value with 
okay. production. And so I'm curious to know who else you had from a, a guard standpoint. It's the list isn't good, you know, uh, and by the way, can we talk about the fact that positions don't exist anymore in the NBA? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Um, I know. Look, a, a name that I, I, I like to put here because I love the fact that he's Tiwi. I know he's a pain in the ass, but there's a part of me that thinks he's very important to this team. And by the way, could make this team big time sellers in, in a couple of instances in a couple of weeks. I think Patrick Beverly has made a difference in Minnesota, Scott. And I know that's not a name you're going to hear too much and the numbers don't jump up. He is having a, a resurgence from a point standpoint. His turnovers are down, things like that. His assists are about where they're going to be. He's kind of the same player, even though he's 33 years old now. But I do think that his veteran presence can can shake things up a little bit. And I, th I think that's important for Minnesota. They've got to do something. They've got to shake up that pie a little bit because I don't think the current roster can win all the way. You know what I'm saying? I think they're good enough mm -hmm. to be competitive now, finally, after all these damn first round picks. I just think they need this kind of move again. Another Beverly type move to come in. You know, supplant some experience on that roster and maybe move one of those guys out of there. I know they're close knit, and that's why that roster was constructed like they were from a, a personal standpoint. But I don't think that team can win the championship, and I and I do it, think this is the kind of move they need to do one more time. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And if you remember, this team has been epically bad, and they're at least in yeah. the ninth seed right now. So they're at least winning enough games. They're not five hundred, but they're winning enough games that they're in playoff contention, play-in contention, whatever you want to call it at this point. Um, so they may be that one move. I don't know necessarily what that one move might be. Obviously, going back to the offseason, Ben Simmons was in the conversation and whatnot. But I agree. They are a team that they do have the pieces. They have done some roster construction in the right way. They just need probably another piece or depth piece to really get them to the next level. And my last one is, uh, you know, a star player who's not having career numbers yet, but he's got so much experience in doing this. He's on a team that is well experienced in getting to the finish line with great coaching. Kyle Lowry. Yeah. You, you know right. how much I love the heat. I think the heat are doing just enough to stay in that top three zone but also not pushing the envelope too much. And I put, I put Lowry in that conversation. If you look at his numbers statistically, he's more of a playmaker than a, and a facilitator than anything else right now. And he's still putting up 34 minutes a game. So you know that hasn't really diminished his, too much over his career. But I think he's kind of going through the motions a little bit with Miami. And the Jimmy Butler situation is fluid, as you know. But this is a team that if they stay in the top three, they got my money come postseason time. They're going to have it. I, I liked them out of the gate. I like the way they're put together and I certainly like the way they're coached. So that, to me, that was always going to be a good move, getting lower to getting that kind of experience next to Butler. I, I think it's working as they, they'd planned for now. Yeah. I, I, I like that pick as well. Um, and, and that's you a, don't hear a that name a lot, Scott. Have you heard that you, name a lot? You have not. And, and I saw him on, on there. I obviously went the route that I went, um, but he did get some consideration in my mind. And that's with a team that, hasn't had bam he's been injured right. with that th the, with that thumb and they're in the three seed right now so they're they're doing what they quietly need quietly in the three seed very quiet <laughs> i mean if you if you were to pull just the 
normal NBA fan. I don't know if they would necessarily guess Miami would be in the three seed right now. So um, I, I do like that. I'm interested to see what they do at the deadline, if anything, mm-hmm. um, or if they just think getting Bam back at mm-hmm. some point is their traded piece that they in their internal conversations feel that that that's the upgrade that they're just going to need to get. Yeah, there's a move to make. We'll get there, though. I I already know the move to make. I've been kind of stalking this team for months here. Uh, Let's go to the... uh, You got any more shooting guards or you want to flip the forwards now? I got a couple of... No, let's go to the forwards. Go ahead. All right. So I I have uh, one that is drafted and one that is traded for in my my roster here. So my my, uh, uh, drafted player is Scotty Barnes with Toronto Raptors. I, I just, you know, they hit... They needed to hit on their draft pick, and they did. After Lowry moving on, um, you know he he has got the you know he's got this veteran mentality in a drafted player's body, and for you know just over seven million dollars, you, you can't go wrong, especially being in the first year. That means you have three more years that this kid can grow at this entry level rookie scale contract and then have to pay him in three years. So if you can continue to put the pieces around him with this Toronto team, you know, obviously there's been rumors with, are they going to move Siakam? Are they going to buy out Dragic? You still have Van Vliet. You still have some other pieces on that roster, but you know, for Toronto to have nailed on this pick, you know, it, it, it says to their, uh, where they're going to go. Because me, at the beginning of the season, I, I, if I remember correctly, I said I wasn't high on the Raptors, and th- they're sort of proving me wrong at this point. The, the Scotty Barnes pick makes Siakam movable. Correct. Uh, you don't need the two anymore. You can roll with Van Fleet and Barnes and bring something back for that Siakam contract immediately. And that's not going to impact this year too much, in my opinion. But you're building for 2022 with those three as your core. And it's a hell of a pick. It threw a lot of people off when it happened, and then we saw it on the court for about a minute and a half, and we all realized, oh, this is this is going to work immediately. <laughs> so it's a great pick by you. What else you got? Yeah, the, my traded one is uh, Kyle Kuzma. You know, going to Washington, he's had uh, again another player, veteran, resurgence of a career with a different team. Had to get out of Los Angeles, and you know, didn't he has. Well, he didn't have to. Right. <laughs> didn't have to correct. But for Westbrook to go there, he had to. And, um, you know, at $13 million, it's the first um, of this current contract uh, extension that he had. And he he has flourished in Washington. I've watched as many games as I can of that team. And he, he has stepped up. He is not afraid to uh, help end the game when needed. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm really Washington, happy for him. I, I am too. I, I really think he has a chance to be the guy on a team. I don't know if it's this team. You know, I don't know what the long term with Beal is going to be. Uh, you know, we say this every goddamn month, but I, I don't know what what the what what you know what's going to happen there. But he's got a chance to be the guy, like you're saying, end of the game guy, right? Yes, absolutely. Especially when if if Beal is out with COVID protocols that he is right now or has an injury, you at least know that you have a player that is not afraid to step up him or Dinwiddie or Harrell. You have uh, that trade for Westbrook for all of these pieces was hands down probably the GM of the offseason in hindsight because 
they shored up their depth yeah. that they did we're, not have we're not on done that with team. Washington. I'm, I've got a name for you in a couple of minutes here. Uh, here's my forward. Well, it, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What, one other one other comment with Kuzma, and th- this is going to be maybe something that we have to look into, or maybe have Keith look into. But we are at a point where we need to start looking at these pieces that the Lakers have moved off of: Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle, yeah. Kuzma. The names just keep coming out. It, to see how the Lakers have performed. Yes, they won a championship, but the amount of pieces that have been moved over these years that could have been on that Laker roster. Yeah. Now, I, I know sometimes you need to just go to a different team, different philosophy, different coaching, whatever it may be. But I think we're at a point where the amount of pieces that the Lakers had drafted in those years, uh, it, it might be time to go back and take a look they refuse to be young. They refuse. LeBron re- yes. refuses to play with kids. And yep. the one year he had to, it was a mess. Um, I get it. We've talked about it a lot, how, how much experience matters come April, May, June. But yeah, I think there's a lot of teams going the other direction and it's working quite a bit. It's working. Here's my name for you. You're going to laugh. Speaking of Washington ties, my name is Otto Porter Jr., Scott. Okay. One year veteran minimum contract with the Golden State Warriors. This guy is the absolute perfect role player. He looks bigger than I've ever remembered him. He looks like a linebacker now going out there, but he can yeah, still shoot the three. Yeah, he's put on some muscle for sure. Yeah, he can still shoot the three. He's got more of a paint presence now, obviously, with the Splash Brothers back. But I, this guy is just the perfect role player for that roster. He can take any of those guards out as needed. He can play down the paint. He's a bruiser. He's still quick enough to play some defense. He was never great at that in the first place. I just think he's the perfect off the bench guy for that roster right now. And he's dirt cheap and he's only 28 years old. So I just think it's a slam dunk former number three overall pick that finds his way into the Warriors roster. And he's going to have significant minutes for that team. Yeah. And he's, he, he's been able to play with some phenomenal players, yeah. you know, and the fact that now he's on this golden state roster and doesn't Golden State they, they just seem to be able to pick the right yeah. bench depth or, players. Or Steve Kerr really is a genius and Steph Curry is one of the easiest players to play with players to play with. Right. And I didn't want to say that about LeBron, but clearly we've had a pattern where it's tough to play with LeBron. Clearly. Right? I mean that, that to me that's the polar difference between those two players. Is that one of them and maybe it's just the role the role the the style of play they they play. You know, LeBron is more all over the court. Steph has the more defined role. And you can slide a guy like Otto Porter Jr. next to Steph and next to Clay, and it just kind of works. But yeah, I think that's right, Scott. I think that every year we're talking about somebody that joins Golden State, and it just feels like the perfect move for that year. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. even Oubre last year wasn't, you know, a slam dunk, but they made it work for the most part. Yeah, you're right. And, and, Golden State sort of had to do that because they had that trade exception and had to bring in somebody. So that was just a piece that they needed to. But you're right. It, it's probably a combination of coaching and the right player on the roster to be able to do that because, you know, the Lakers had a sort of revolving coaching door there at some point. So um, I, it's probably a combination of both, but it, it's very interesting that 
Golden State, they just seem to be able to, to plug in the next man to that depth on their roster, and it just seems to work out. They, they seem to have found, you know, in Gary Payton and Poole, they just seem to have found these players that may have be, you know, 11, 12, 13th on the roster, and they're just able to contribute the right way. It's the right fit, whatever they're doing in practices to make sure that everyone is gelling and the chemistry, it just seems to work. Yeah. I just think there's a, there's the right kind of egos on that team, man. It's pretty much as easy as saying that. Uh, Right. Any honorable mentions at this, this position? Are we going to the big men? Um, I do have, um, yeah, I do. I have some. Okay. Uh, I've got um, Giddy. Yeah, I think he's he's a forward. I'm double checking here. Sure. And uh, no, he was a shooting guard. Sorry, at least on our metric here. Right, okay, so and, you get and, some love on this team. On this. <laughs> and, and Wagner with the Orlando Magic. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's a forward. He has really stepped up in the last m- month or two here. Um, and for a team that is atrocious and has three or four guys that have been out the entire season, that's a a bright spot for Orlando having drafted that. So hopefully when these pieces do come back, they, they can hit the ground running. But it, it, for a team that is dead last, you know, at least you have a, a spotlight on somebody. I like it. I'm going to give you my big men. I have two big men. I guarantee you they are not your big men. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, not great teams. I, I mentioned I was bringing the Wizards back. I got Montrez Harrell on this list for sure. Uh, I have that. Yep, look, I do have that. Look, the advanced numbers freaking love this guy. And I don't think he's a big glue guy. I think he's always been a bit of a pill on, on these teams. And he's been on some tough teams, by the way. Um, I do think he's the right fit. Have I you, really do. Have you, had to, have you had the opportunity to watch much of him this year? I have. I have. He He's... He's awesome. I, I love watching him. His his uh, emotion. He he reminds me of a Draymond Green. Yeah. Um. He just he's not afraid to go into the pain. He's not afraid to step up on anybody. Um. And he just rises the level of the team play that much more. Is he is he the 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 player the Lakers miss the most of all these guys that got moved or or shipped out in this kind of purge last year? You know what? I I think so for the fact that if if Anthony Davis is out, you know, right. He he could have been that presence to step in and now that he he has been the go-to guy because Rory has not been there, Thomas Bryant who I think is coming back tonight has not been there for, you know, this first half of the season. Uh so it'll be interesting to see how they monitor the minutes, but the fact that you have this veteran presence that can help with these young kids and show the emotion, it, it, it just, it fits so well with this team. I just don't understand. Harold's 27 and he's got tons of good years with this kind of grit left in him. And you're, you're replacing him with DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard in Los right. Angeles. I just don't understand it. Uh, I, I really don't. And Somebody's gonna smarter than me is gonna have to explain it one day, but maybe there isn't a good explanation for it other than they 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 needed to to get Westbrook and they needed Harold's salary to move, right? I mean, I don't know how yep, else to say right. it, but it just doesn't make sense from a basketball standpoint. I'm not sure it ever will. My other guy is L. Horford, Scott. 
Oh, okay. Al Horford does not have numbers. His numbers are down. Um, in some cases, mostly flatlined over the past three years. In a lot of cases, he came from OKC. The reason he's here is uh, he was left for dead. <laughs> okay, the contract's awful. I'm not gonna. I'm not putting him on any best value list. He's not winning any awards in that regard. It's an awful contract. But Boston didn't pay that contract. Boston let him go somewhere to get that contract. Philly, who got he then got traded in basically a draft pick move, and now he's back. And here's what we know about Al Horford and his career. He's just better when he's on Boston. And, you know, he's not helping them win games more so. Nobody's helping Boston win games right now. But he's a better player right now. He's back at least in, in a conversation where I think 12 months ago, he was an absolute joke to this league. So I, I just give him credit for resurrecting his career and, and finding his way back to this team, which clearly he needs to be on. <laughs> It's funny how players on certain teams just gel way better than they do on other teams. And if I remember correctly, Serge Ibaka was in the same situation where he was on Toronto, then left and went back to Toronto and he just he flourished in Toronto. So it's funny how certain players, they just have a team that they are best with. I I had Evan Mobley uh, drafted player. I assumed you were going there. (laughs) (laughs) again some Cleveland love here eight million dollars but he's just been you know we were all wondering in the offseason what what is Cleveland doing they obviously know what they're doing and I give them kudos to their roster building I'm sure there's some pieces to be moved here in the next uh, couple weeks but the fact that they're hitting on this kid again, he's similar to Scotty Barnes where he has this mentality of a veteran and he can shoot from wherever he can go into the paint and do whatever he needs to. And he has helped that team. And when you mesh him with the point guard play of Garland and, and, and Rubio, when he was there and a Jared Allen, you have marketing in there. They have a mix of big guys and small guys. They're gigantic. I, I watched them just a couple of days ago. They are absolutely gigantic. They are. And and they're not afraid to play all of their big guys all at the same time. And it seems to work pretty well. So I give this front office kudos because we were to a certain extent scratching our head on what this team was really doing, similar to what the Detroit Pistons were doing the, the previous offseason. But this offseason, it seems to be that they targeted the right players and those those front office staff, they're they're they got extensions yesterday, so things have worked out for them, and Mobley is on my my top list for my big guy. How about the fact that neither of us even considered Cade Cunningham? Where are we with him? I, I'm, I'm not really sure um, because, you know, I, I think they're going to be a seller team. Uh, Grant is probably, if you want to go down that road, mm-hmm. Grant's probably going to be a, a piece that gets moved. He started the season off injured, so he didn't even come out of the gate. Um, so I, I guess I have to see what what that team is going to do from a roster construction standpoint uh, to see if they can put the pieces around him uh, to help him flourish as opposed to him just being the guy. Yeah, they're a bunch of years away. I mean, they're loading up cap space right now with a couple of second round pick trades and 
they're kind of going the old school route. I'm not sure that's the route to go anymore in terms of team building, but I'm not sure they have a choice. They're going down still instead of up and they've got a, a nice player in, in Cunningham, but it's going to feel Zion-ish pretty soon. You know, not with the injuries, maybe with the injuries, but just from the roster construction standpoint, I'm not sure they have the ability to quickly build right now. Right. And I hope they don't go down the Oklahoma City path where you've got, you know, you get three years, four years in, you want to extend them, but you're selling still to get all these draft picks or pieces. And then you got in Oklahoma City's uh, situation, you have SGA who, you know, it's just he's there. So I hope. I hope Detroit doesn't go down that road, and um, uh, I, I, obviously time will tell. Um, but you're right that that's that, that, that's an interesting team to see what's going. Yeah, gonna... I just like to track these uh, these number one picks as much as possible because there's so many hit misses in the NBA. There are. It's just not a slam dunk like it is with a lot of other leagues. It's just really bad. And, it, and I wonder if we get to a point where. You can't just go with the 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 hot hand in in the NBA draft and everyone's consensus number one and the team just feels like they have to take that number one. If if you start seeing some more riskier picks, you 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 love this player, we're gonna take him and and take the chance because at this point, you're right. It, it's almost like a fifty fifty chance on the number one pick. Is it gonna work or not? It's similar to the quarterback conversation in the NFL it's a 50 50 hit on these quarterbacks. You, you got to take who you're going to like and hope it hits. Let's uh, do you have any more big men in terms of the uh, new team, all team? No, but I have some big men as far as impact, regardless of standings. Go ahead. You want to go down that yeah, road go ahead quickly? Yeah. So, so I, I actually have three, uh, one was a trade Valanchunas to the, the Pelicans. The yeah. Pelicans have not been good. Obviously the conversation with Zion and, and whatnot, but Valanchunas has been the guy and he was the guy in, in Memphis. So some of us were kind of scratching our head as to why they would flip him and bring in Steven Adams. Obviously it's worked out gangbusters with the roster construction in, in Memphis, but Valanchunas has stepped up. He, I mean, he's an 18 and 12 guy with uh, two assists. So he, he's still contributing with that aspect. But he, from a new player on a horrible team, he has really helped impact that team to the point that they've at least had some wins on that team. And then I have uh, Drummond, who's on a minimum salary, but he's holding his own from a statistical standpoint for the amount of minutes that he's been playing. And then uh, Whiteside on the uh, Utah Jazz, uh, he seems to be uh, flourishing as a minimum guy there. He seems to really like the team that has the players that are on that team. Uh, from what I've heard, he he just loves playing with those guys, and and so those are my three impact. Players and on. by the way, Adams has been pretty good for Memphis. You know, status quo statistically right, in terms has. of his production, but uh, it, it's not like they lost a ton in what they did because that was a massive trade that Valanciunas traded. It was like a, you know, three teams, like 11 right. players. It was massive. And then all of a sudden they snuck Adams on that roster, which is his contracts, you know, not going to win any awards either. But it's it, it's kind of a good plan B. And certainly what Memphis is doing is is fun for everybody. I mean, they're one of the most exciting teams in basketball. Let's flip the switch. You ready? Quickly. Basically, our uh, all-trade team now. All right? Okay. 
I, I, to me, the point guard's pretty easy. There's two of them that are sitting there, low-hanging fruit. It's Dennis Schroeder. Boston's got to do it to get under the tax. He's got no future there. He's got to go. And there's teams that want him right now. Basically, every contender would take him right now. Um, there's been a lot of rumors to Dallas because they've got an exception that can acquire him. So let's just do it. I mean, Luca needs all the help he can get right now. And Grant, I know the injury's there, but Jeremy Grant, whether he's a guard or a four, you know, small four, whatever he's going to be, Detroit's got to do something. <laughs> I mean, they, they can't just sit idle. So I do think that's a move that I, I would have put him with Cleveland, by the way, before the Rajon Rondo trade. But mm-hmm. uh, clearly, Cleveland doesn't want to give up that much. And by the way, while we're on point guards, couldn't you package a first with an expiring Rubio and send him to one of these OKC Houston teams? Get yourself a shooter to go with those big men? Uh, you got to be all in if you're Cleveland. You, do, you don't have these windows, and there's nothing saying this window is going to be there next year. To me, I'm doing every move that's possible. And if it means a, a 2024 first-round pick plus Ricky Rubio is expiring to get any kind of shooter to see what I can do in terms of the postseason. I'm doing it. I have to. Yeah. I, I, Sexton is going to be the other guy, even though he's injured Nobody as wants well. Him, Scott. I, I know. Nobody wants but, him because he's got to get paid. Rubio's, Rubio's an expiring. That's a way more attractive offer. Right. And if you want, you're right. If, if, if you can find the team that's going to take on that dead money, yeah. Just to offset him so that you can bring in somebody at, you know, 17. Well, let me million, put it this way. Let's say dollars. it's Houston. Isn't isn't Houston an okay spot for Rubio next year if they wanted to extend him with rights at that point? I mean, talk about a you know, veteran presence that, you know, that will be needed. That's the youngest, worst team in basketball right now. So it's not like they couldn't use him for a two-year extension if they wanted to go that route, if he can return to full health. So I, I just think that has to happen. We've seen so many of those trades come January, February over the past couple of years, he seems like the prime candidate because of what you said for a third of the season, he was one of the most enigmatic players in the game. Right. So I, I think he's on the list. Uh, anything else in terms of uh, youth that I'm missing at the point guard position that could get moved? No, I think you hit him. All right. Let's talk Chicago specifically okay. now. How does this number one team in the East stay the number one team in the East? Because I don't think, the status quo is going to do it. We've seen that too often. Utah, by the way, is the team that does this every year. Denver too. They just kind of love who they are. Right. They, keep, they keep who they are over a year-to-year basis and they continually get to the second spot and stop. <laughs> so how, how does Chicago avoid being that kind of team? Well, Keith made two points that I mentioned earlier. Patrick Williams, who's injured. So if you can offset him and bring something back for a team that may want him, great. Kobe White's probably the other. He's point guard. Um, so he, he there's a youth point guard going back to that uh, conversation. But those two are probably the the prime candidates to be moved on that team, which I agree with Keith, um, to have some sort of upgrade depth, whatever you may need to yeah. make a deep run, especially with the amount of, you know, if there is happens to be another surge of protocols and, you know, you have guys out for multiple time, uh, multiple days, games, you know, these teams, I know they've been dragging their feet on making trades because of what's been going on. But at some point, a team is going to have to pull a trigger. And this is a team similar to a conversation if, to Cleveland. If you feel you are all in yes. right now, yes. you need to make the move. You need to pull the trigger to go all in. Okay. So then why not Jeremy Grant? Because wouldn't Detroit love Patrick Williams? Isn't that the perfect player for them? 
a young big man who's cheap who can maybe uh, you know figure out a situation with Cade Cunningham over the next two years before they figure out if they have to. Yeah, play him. yeah, that that is a good point. And if you get that veteran depth um, from Grant, he still has one more year left on his current deal. So you at least ex- got that extra. And then uh, again, that's another piece that if you can bring him in. Uh, Zach Levine may say, okay, I'm, that's, I am definitely right. all in and, right. <laughs> and you re-sign him and you go from there. Who's the biggest name that's going to get moved? Not name Ben Simmons. <laughs> um, I'll say Siakam. Yeah. You're pretty confident. I'm less confident because those kind of guys generally don't move at the deadline for some reason. We just wait to the off season on those guys for the most part. I think you're right though. I'm starting to feel that Toronto understands that they have that they may be building back to another window here because of the Barnes mm-hmm. pick, because Van Fleet can run the offense without Lowry. I, I think well, and keep in mind, right. Dra- and keep in mind, Dragic hasn't been there, so he's probably a. They can try to trade him, but yeah. he's probably going to be a buyout candidate. I, I've heard Dallas potentially for him if they, you know, Schroeder doesn't go there. Um, so. Y- I have him on there. And then the next one is, you know, Indiana said they're open for sale. Turner's probably the next big guy. I mean, he's been on the list for the last few trade deadlines that I can remember. He's probably the next one to go. Yeah. I mean, that we've talked about it. That team isn't terrible to watch. Uh, they're not going to win a lot of games, but is there, you know, somebody needs a big man from in Miles Turner. I don't know why he hasn't moved already. Uh, you know, deadline spur actions for sure in, in this case. Is there a team you've got him identified for? I don't. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I just think he gets moved. And it's funny, the list of players that I can think of off the top of my head and the list that we just went through with our our new team, it, it's all these East teams. So at some point, we're going to have to see some West teams start making some bigger moves, I feel like. Um, you know... The Lakers Does are going to try for Turner, moved? Scott. Then there's What's no that? question in my mind the Lakers are going to try to get Miles Turner. But I just don't know how this is going to work without a third team. Right. I mean, and you pieces, and I know how this math works, and they just don't have the pieces. They don't no, have the, they don't. the salaries to move. And we're, we're just not including Russell Westbrook in this conversation. They've, Maybe we should be, right? Maybe Russell gets sent to OKC, right, with two firsts to get him off the roster, and then you can start to bring in $35 million worth of salary if you're, if you're Los Angeles. But I, I just can't see this happening in the matter of less than a month now when there's so much on the line. But to me, the Lakers are going to be in on Turner, and so are the Knicks. The Knicks are that fringe team that need to fix their big man situation. And I do think that's a roster that has pieces to move. You could move three guys for Turner right now if you had to off that Knicks team and do a three for one with with barely a draft pick in tow. So uh, I'm going big city for Miles Turner, but you never know with these guys. No, you don't. And and it, your comment with the Lakers, it, it goes to show that balancing your roster with the money is very important in the NBA. Yeah. You cannot, at least based on right now, have three players at 35 and above and then have the rest of your roster on minimum salaries or middling salaries with the, you know, the nine and a half that's on there. You have to have a delicate balance of high paid guys, middle guys, and some lower paid rookies or veterans on minimums 
to really sustain the ability to make moves in the future. Because if you only have minimum salary guys on your roster, you can't play the game of salary matching unless you're going to move a Russell Westbrook to bring back some 20 and teen salary pieces. Um, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it handcuffs, but it handcuffs a team. So that, that's why I say it's very important in the NBA that a GM or a coach or whoever is pulling the strings, they need to make a, a very calculated balance of the salaries. And that's why when we see, uh, free agent signings of, you know, 12 to $18 million. Oh, that's a tradable contract. If you yeah, need to, that's right. The Lakers, the Lakers have none of those right now. I mean, and you, it, you could move Taylor Hurt and Tucker and uh, I don't know, none at some point and get Turner back close to getting Turner back. I guess it's there if, if they really finagle it, but man, you, you're giving up even more depth. You know what I mean? You're going two for one again on these on these trades. I, I'm just very anti-Lakers situation right now. Um, the Hawks are in. The Hawks are bad all of a sudden. They have a boatload of of named players. Yeah, didn't that go? That went fast, huh? It did. <laughs> um, they're going to get DeAndre Hunter back soon. It sounds like he has been pro- progressing in terms of his injury finally. So that could mean there's a roster spot to move off of if he is back in the fold. He's been rumored with Philly, and I, I guess we have to finish on the Simmons situation because that's part of our contract. <laughs> but you've got some interesting tidbits that came out yesterday that that may make the Simmons trade even more impactful and interesting, huh? Yeah, it sounds like Tobias Harris is to potentially be moved with Simmons. Sounds like Daryl Morey, if he moves Simmons, he wants to move Harris. And based on... Uh, Conversations that I heard from Brian Winhorst on his podcast yesterday, you know, it sounds like it may be that Philly is trying to set themselves up for the future where they could potentially have pieces to do a sign and trade with Brooklyn to bring Harden in. Obviously, that depends on if they can move Simmons to some other place and get those pieces, but um, Teams and, and GMs, Ala More, he is trying to think long term as opposed to the short term. Can I ask you this and, question? Did 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 Windhorse make mention of if it was going to be a package deal, or is it a situation, Scott, where Simmons goes to Atlanta, Tobias Harris goes to Houston? You know what I mean? Like we're going to spread this thing out. Is he just trying to move both of those players? simultaneously or is it that a team he thinks a team would want that package because that's 69 million of salary i mean that's it no is. Free it's a lot joke. and and windhorse even said the amount of money that would have to get moved for something to happen is an astonishing amount of money to have to move so i I don't know if it's necessarily they have to go together or it has to be if Simmons goes, Tobias has to go somewhere else just to, you know, facilitate the money being moved. Um, But it's another interesting piece to the Ben Simmons saga. And as we get closer to the the deadline here, I'm sure more is going to come out. Is Simmons for Westbrook stupid? (laughs) 
Mm. On the short term, probably not because if I remember correctly, I think he's expiring or has a uh, player option. Double checking here. Yeah, he's got one more. Yeah, he's got a player option at 47. He'll obviously opt into that. But then after that, you free up that space a little bit. Um, will will he gel with a Embiid? Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean. Tell me something that, that Ben Simmons does that Russell Westbrook doesn't. Right now. Plays defense. That's a good answer. Plays defense. It's a good answer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in no camp of saying Westbrook's getting moved, so I'm, but, not, I'm not trying to promote this by any yeah, means. Uh, but, I'm just trying to think because the Lakers are going to get involved. Let's let's be perfectly honest, Scott. They're going to get involved with everything. They're going to try to fix this right now. LeBron's got a year and a half left maybe in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that at least matches from a, from a financial standpoint, and I guess to some degree from a position standpoint as well, I don't know why Daryl Morey would do that, having heard what you just said about how he's planning for this year and for next year with the, with the Harden situation, which makes total sense to me, by the way. Um, but if we're getting three teams involved, now everybody's involved on the table. You know, Atlanta's got a ton of salaries they could move if they want to, if they want to give up. So do the Knicks. I mean, there are options here from an East-West standpoint where you could do some, some cross-team patterning and really get some guys on the move. But to me, it comes down to, is Westbrook going? Because if he's not, then the Lakers are dead in the water. Yeah, you're right. They are dead in the water unless LeBron has some magic formula that he's just going to turn it on. And, you know, we've seen it before, but at his age and with the miles on his legs at this point, can can he continue to sustain it? I mean, we shall see. Uh, but with that roster, you're right. Something's going to have to give. And we we all said at the beginning of the season, we're going to have to wait to January to see. And we're in January, and now... They're a seventh seed, which is basically what everybody said, including Keith yep, on our correct. show. That they're exactly where we think they're supposed to be. And Anthony Davis has played probably exactly the amount of games and, we thought he was going to play. <laughs> and... and the way the Suns have been playing, Golden State got Clay back. They're going to get Wiseman back at some point. Utah, they they are looking strong again. Memphis with Jaw and the rest of that roster is looking strong. You know, Denver at some point they may get their pieces back um, from injury yeah, that's right. or protocol. Has something? So, we think Dallas is going to acquire some pieces. Everybody sort of has an answer over the next month, except for Los Angeles, right? Right, and then if I keep going, the Clippers, they're going to get Kawhi back at some point. Paul George has been injured. That, so, I really don't but, know about that. But I am not high on the Lakers or the Clippers, and I said that at the beginning of the season, but the fact that they're 500 without Kawhi with that roster and Paul George being in and out of yeah. the roster and being 500, you add Kawhi in there, they're going to jump over the Lakers because they're it's similar in the in the standings right now. And then again, like you said earlier, Minnesota, if they can find that one piece to to bring in, whether it's Simmons or somebody else, you know, they may jump. So if all these teams are making moves in the in the Lakers cannot, and they have to stand still, you know, we may see them down at the nine ten unless something magically can happen. Last question: We haven't mentioned Portland at all. They are in the tenth spot. Dame's out. McCollum has had a weird injury season. Obviously, those two guys have been rumored heavily in trade conversations. Nothing happens mid season with Portland, right? 
in terms of those guys, I mean, Robert Covington's going to go. He goes every deadline. He's going. He's going to some team. It doesn't even matter which team. He's going to be traded. But Dame CJ situations off season, right? For you, or is that extension yeah. low hanging fruit? Does it mean it ha- he has to move now? <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, that's a delicate balance, and I can't. I, I can't remember if th- they've found a GM yet. I want to say no, no, unless I totally missed that transaction come through. So I mean, that's still hanging there for it's interim still. Yeah. So do they decide? That's tough. I think Nurkic might be a player that might be moved, a a big man. Um, So they may be able to bring back some pieces. So if you can move Covington and Nurkic, are you able to upgrade your roster that when Dame comes back and CJ as well, that's going to get them over to hump? I I guess no. I don't think it's enough. Um, But crazier things have happened. Who knows? A team may come in and say – Here's our package for Dame. We'll take him. Yeah. It, it, I, I wouldn't sl- be surprised. Couple of slam dunks and then we'll get out of here. Simmons is going. Doesn't matter yes. to at, at this point for me. Terrence Ross is going out of Orlando. Yes. Oladipo yes. is going out of Miami. <laughs> yes. Shooter's going out of Boston. Yes. And Covington's going out of Portland. Those are you can book it. You can put the dollars into FanDuel right now if you want. Book it. It's happening. Um, and there's probably another five I could pick out, but those are off the top of my head here. Um, it's going to be f- somewhat active this trade deadline, and here's why: because the NBA has figured this out. <laughs> they have <laughs> they have figured out that free agency is a foil, and that building a roster that oh, frees up cap space is a waste of your effing time. That's what these teams have figured out. Let's yes. do our damage with with signing trades. Let's do our damage with in season trades. And if we have to make a blockbuster, we're going to do it July first. Get three teams involved, get 10 players involved, get seven first-round picks involved, and we're going to get a, a ton of people to help us out to move or acquire massive top 10, top 20 players. The, the, the best thing about the NBA is that everybody's on the table. You and I just glossed over the fact that James Harden could move next year. It's, to me, it's perfectly reasonable that he could move next year. So <laughs> I, that's just how this league operates now. Everybody's on basically one-year contracts in terms of where they are currently. So it'll be an active deadline. I'm not sure it'll have major, major name power. I think Siakam could be the biggest name to move, not named Ben Simmons. But other than that, you know, the good teams are going to get better. And those that kind of stand pat, we found in the past, they get bitten in the ass come come June. So you want your team doing something right now, at least some kind of shakeup uh, for the now in order to kind of get yourself some kind of a uh, new blood for June. Good stuff, Scott. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription. And go Bills. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.